Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good morning, TBCF. God is good. And all the time. Amen. Figured you say that. Um, I am Pastor Donald, uh, the, the teaching pastor here at the Building Christian Fellowship, as well as the Young Adults Forward Young Adults. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's my, my turn to be up at bat today. Um, so this is uh, how we, we're still in the new year, y'all. It's, it's, it's January, so this is, this is my first uh, time to share for this year. We're in 2024. Pastor's been talking about more in 2024. Amen. And uh, it's, it's, this year has already been off to a, a, a start. It's, it's, it's been on one so far. Um, but how many of you guys want to be blessed? Anybody in here want to be blessed? I know I do. I want to be blessed. And so if you want to be blessed, you're in good company this morning. Um, like I said, man, it's 2024, and uh, I'm, I've been expecting more. And 2024 has already brought me more. It's brought me more stretching. Um, I stand here. I know for me, I can say for me right now, I stand here uh, uh, in your midst, stretched between both the best of times for my family and the worst of times for my family. For those of you that are close to me, you guys know that uh, uh, my family uh, just suffered the loss of my my eldest sister, my sister that comes right after me, she she uh, passed away a couple of weeks ago, and we just had her home going this last week. And uh, so I stand before you between the best of times. I'm stretched in the gap, in the gap. I find myself in the gap. Uh, uh, just three years ago, um, I was also in another gap. I was stretched between a crisis that was going on with my eldest son and uh, his transition into adulthood and the, 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 the dying of my father. And so I found myself stretched between a gap, found myself in a gap. But I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that. Some of you may be here this morning. You might be in a gap of your own. But I want to let you know that that GAP is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That it's not caught him by surprise. It is not something that has caught him off guard. But it was actually father-ordained, father-filtered. Because there's other people that may have experienced the same thing that you experienced and it broke them. But yet you're still here and you're still standing. By the grace of God... You're still here. So here I stand in the gap. At the beginning of 2024, my youngest son, Jericho Kadesh Johnson, played in the All-American Bowl the first weekend of this, this glorious year. Not only that, but the man got a touchdown. Can, can somebody come on? Can we can we get the uh, can we get the footage of that? This man got the touchdown. Look, look, look. Number ninety-one dove on the ball. Look, there is very few things, very few things 
and he goes to the sideline and gives God all the glory for it. Not to mention, mentions you, his church family, on national television, giving God all the glory for it. I stand before you in the gap between the best of times and the worst of times. So not only does Jericho play an All-American, he gets him a tutty. But he also, as you guys know, many of you know, you guys were here to celebrate with us on his signing day. But he also has become an Oregon Duck. So he's gone to play D1 football at the highest level. And he is now in Eugene. And uh, my wife and I not only got the pleasure of going to the All-American Bowl with him, but we flew that weekend up to Eugene to to get him sent off to school. And uh, he got his, you know, he's, he's adulting. He's got his, his apartment. He's got his bank account. He's got all these things set up, and he's adulting. And uh, by the sovereignty of God, man, by the sovereignty of God, we spent a couple of days. We lingered a couple of days. We tabernacled with him a couple of days um, as he got settled in there. And uh, on his first day of school, my sister passes. And through the sovereignty of God, we were able to help him navigate his first loss as an adult. My sister, Inovi, I want to send a shout out to everyone here at the Building Christian Fellowship and those of you that might not be a part of the Building Christian Fellowship that have prayed for my sister Inovi, who sent anything to the family, any donations, anything, your generosity, your time, your prayers, your presence. I, I, I thank you and I applaud you. And I know that your reward is great for that. I thank you. Again, standing in the gap between the best and the worst of times. So this morning, I, I, if I was to entitle this message anything, I would, I would entitle it Designer Fragrance. Designer Fragrance. Funny thing about Jericho. So one of the things about getting to spend some time with him, helping him to transition and make this, this big change, because, you know, I don't know if, if many of you guys that don't know the Johnson family, we're a close-knit family. We, uh, you know, my wife... Uh, by the grace of God, has been able to stay at home and raise our children for like the past going on 21 years now. And, and yeah, that, yeah, please. This is not an easy task, but it's a lot of sacrifices along the way. And um, we were fortunate enough to be able to stay there with Jericho a little bit. And one of the things I realized, you know, I, I talk, we have a lot of talks with our kids and everything. And, and all of our kids, in my eyes, all of our kids are great. And they're destined for greatness. That's why we, we spent time giving them names. You might be like, well, you know, what's so special about Donald? What's so special about Donald Ray? What's so, what's so special about that? Well, for those of you that don't know, let me give you a quick little, little uh, education. Donald actually means world ruler. Not, not letting the world rule you. Amen. He's a world ruler, but Ray means whom God has healed. And so, 
a couple of years ago, my son was going through a crisis. A lot of hurt that we didn't know about. But I stand before you today to let you know that he has lived up to his name. He didn't allow the world to rule him. And he is definitely one whom God has healed. But let me jump to Jericho real quick. As we were there a couple of days, we got to talk with Jericho, and I, and I felt it impressed on my heart that, Jericho, I have to let you know what your name means. Because most people, when they think of Jericho, they think about Joshua, the wall, the children of Israel, all that, that, that good stuff. But Jericho actually has a couple of meanings. And, and the most important meaning that I wanted him to understand was that his name means a fragrant place. Jericho meant a fragrant place, and it also meant the moon city. And one of the, one of the things I wanted to share with him, I said, son, you shine so bright. The word tells us that the sun is the glory of the father. The sun, S-U-N, is the glory of the father, because scripture tells us that God is a sun and shield to his people. So the sun is the glory of the father, but the glory of the sun is the moon. So I told him, understand this, no matter how big you get, no matter how bright you shine, know that your shine and the light does not come from you, but it comes from the sun. But as far as fragrance is concerned, they say that scientifically there are very few things in life that will bring a recollection or bring back memory to the senses. Uh, 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 No other sense will bring back memory like a smell does. And so I said, Jericho, there are many people that you have been around that will never forget you because of how you've made them feel. You've walked into some stinky situations and you've brought such a great fragrance that comes from God. You've lived up to your name. So understand that that wherever you go, you're to create great memories of who the father is and who he's created you to be no matter what situation you're in. And so I got to share that with him and uh, he's lived up to his name without even realizing it. And so today I just want to kind of take you guys on a trip to understand that, that where we come to salvation can often give us a a preconceived notion as to what we think salvation is going to look like. Let let me explain a little bit. If you go to a a big festive event and you found salvation there, you may think that your salvation walk is going to be a great festive event where it always feels good and it's always great. But I need you to understand today that salvation is found at the foot of the cross. And so when you find yourself in a situation where you have to carry it, find it not strange that the place that you found salvation will follow you around. I mean, think about it. if, if, If our salvation is found at the cross, should we not find ourselves in a position where we, we, we are, are, at the point of asking God to make this this cup pass from us? at some point in time? 
Are we not supposed to find ourselves in a, in a, in a tough place where, where we, we, we don't really want to bear it, but there is no other way? And so today we're going to look at a couple of passages because a lot of times our preconceived notions will, uh, will cause us to become offended. We'll become offended at Christ. We'll become offended at God because we, we thought something was supposed to be this kind of way. And it, it ends up being something different. Turn with me, if you can, to the book of John. John chapter 12. Excuse me. So to give you a little bit of a background, we're talking about designer fragrance. So let me give you a little bit of background before we jump into this, this, this passage. Uh, Lazarus, whom Jesus loved, that was, that was a good friend of his, almost like a brother, uh, had died. And Jesus got word of it. His sisters were like sending word for Jesus to come and, and, and heal him. And Jesus was like, I got other business to tend to. And then meanwhile, he ends up dying. He was sick at first. Then he ends up dying because Jesus got other stuff to tend to. Now, mind you, this is a dude that he loved. So for those of us that know the story, we know that Jesus eventually made his way back and Lazarus is buried in a tomb. And we're talking about designer fragrance. One of the things that sticks out about that situation is that when Jesus shows up, he said, roll the stone away. And his sister's response to him is, Lord, by now he stinketh. But Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, calls him forth. And he comes back to life. And he tells him, loose that man, let him go, take them grave clothes off of him. And here it is, we find John chapter 12, that Jesus is enjoying a meal with them at their house. And it says, so six days before the Passover feast, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had died and whom he had raised from the dead. Would you call that something good? God is good. So they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of ointment, of pure liquid, nard, a rare perfume that was very expensive. And she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You got to love John because you read about this account in the other, the, the other gospels. They kind of just tell you the story, but John gets into specifics. He's like, yep. But Judas, the other, the other, the other accounts say one of the, the disciples, but John, he want to get specific. He's like, but Judas, yeah, Iscariot, Judas, the one of his disciples who was about to betray him said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii? A year's wages for an ordinary workman 
and that money given to the poor, the destitute. Now, he did not say this because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the bag, the money box, the purse of the 12, he took for himself what was put into it, pilfering the collections. Gotta love John, right? But Jesus said, let her alone. It was intended that she should keep it for, for the time of my preparation for burial. She has kept it that she might have it for the time of my embalming. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. I stand in the gap between the best of times and the worst of times. My sister had been fighting cancer for the better part of a year and a half. Now, my sister, is, she was the mother of four children. And, of course, being the family that we are, we band together. We were praying. We were, we were taking round-the-clock shifts and praying for her. We were, we were doing everything that we knew to do, that Scripture told us to do, naturally what we could do, to, to see God divinely intervene and turn this thing around according to our expectations. I know me personally, I did something. I said, you know, out of desperation, I did something that I had never done before. I've prayed and fasted. I've fasted for, you know, done Daniel fast 21 days. I've done a, a complete fast for maybe like one to three days or something like that. But this time I said, I'm, you know, I'm going to do a whole week. Because I'm that desperate. I want to see God move. I want, I'm expecting God to turn this thing around for her good and for his glory. And then I get the call that she wasn't going to make it. I was upset. I was bothered. Perturbed irritated, downcast, discouraged. The thing about it is, is that we can get our preconceived notions about how we believe God is supposed to move and how he's supposed to function and operate. And we create in our mind a Jesus that is not true. Don't let me get into the whole concept of how, that, that we ourselves live a thousand different lives in the heads of people that know us from different chapters and places and times. I had to tell somebody close, that was, that's, that's close to me in relation but not close to me in fellowship that, hey, you don't know me. You once knew me. But we ain't been in fellowship and communion long enough recently to where you know me. And here it is. We think that, no, oh, this, 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 this would, your, your resources, Jesus, would have been better placed here the way that I wanted them to. But he said, you know, you won't always have those instances, but you won't always have me. Now, mind you, he's telling them this before he's. He's been crucified and glorified and everything. But now us, 
as believers, we have him as much as we want him. And one of the things that I, I got a revelation of about this when I was, I was upset, I was bothered, I was perturbed, I was discouraged, and didn't understand why things turned out the way that they were, happened to be the following worship service after my sister's passing. And the worship team was singing nothing else. Nothing else will do. I need your presence. Nothing else will do. And I had to come to grips with the lyric that came from that song, which is, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. The sooner we come to the realization that Jesus doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us our next breath. He doesn't owe us anything. We will always have times of need. But how much of him we have determines on how, how we go about it. He said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And so in that moment, I knew that the only thing that consoled me, that would console me, that would give me any peace is if I was in his presence. Because let's look at it. My sister got healed. She makes full recovery. She's still going to die one day because it's appointed to every man to die. But I was tempted to be offended. And I feel that there may be some people in here that you may have a situation that might be similar to mine. Maybe it's a different thing that you found yourself offended about. Like, like let's, let's just be real. To the point of where it's like, I ain't got nothing to talk to God about. Offense. Charles Spurgeon said this, first, there are some who are so offended with Christ that they never accept him as their savior at all. Secondly, there is another class of persons who after professing to accept him and apparently casting in their life lot with him are after all scandalized and they find stumbling blocks and go back and forsake the way which they profess to tread. But then thirdly, there are others who by the grace of God take Christ as he is with all their hearts and are not offended in him. And these are they that are blessed indeed and shall enter into eternal blessedness in heaven. Ask yourself, are you offended this morning? Matthew chapter 11. If you're offended or you've been offended, you're in good company. The key is not to stay in the offense. It's funny because oftentimes the truth will hurt us before it sets us free. Matthew chapter 11. 
starting with verse 1. It says, when Jesus had finished his charge to his 12 disciples, he left there to teach and to preach in their Galilean cities. Now, when John, John the Baptist, was in prison, heard about the activities of Christ, he sent a message by his disciples and asked him, are you the one who was to come or should we keep on expecting a different one? Now, wait, we have John the Baptist who is, has a miraculous birthing in and of himself. His parents were beyond childbearing age. They have him for the specific task of being the one who blazes the trail and announces the coming of Jesus Christ. He knows this from the time that he's born. And here it is, not only that, but he's Jesus's blood cousin. Not only that, he's already baptized Jesus. And he saw the, 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 the dove ascend on him, descend on him and the voice come out of heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And he sends his disciples from a prison cell to go ask Jesus are you the one who was to come or should we keep on expecting a different one? If that don't sound like offense and Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed by healing and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news. The gospel preached to them. God is good. The blind receive their sight. Does that sound good? The lame walking, that sound good? Healing, sound good? The good news being preached? Verse 6, he says this. He says, and blessed... Happy, fortunate, and to be envied is he who takes no offense at me and finds no cause for stumbling in or through me and is not hindered from seeing the truth. The word offended in the Greek is the word that we get scandalous from. Meaning that, that, that we can often, because of our preconceived notions, what, what, we, what we think is good, Back to that old, ancient, original sin, like what we call good, as opposed to what God had already called good, right? We know that God created everything, and he said it was good after he created it. But then the serpent comes along and tries to tell man that, no, you can determine what is good. And now everything's been off course ever since, right? And so here it is. We can, we can have these preconceived notions and these things where we think, what we have our standard of good, oh, this would be a good idea. Oh, this, would, this looks good. I think this would be a great plan. But it's outside of the will of God. And when we find out that, that the thing that we've brought to the altar and we're praying for and we're saying, God, we, you know, this is a really great idea. I need you to get behind this. I need you to make this work. I need you to, to cause it to have good success. And he answers by fire and burns it up instead. And you think it's scandalous 
I thought you were a good God. Why, why couldn't I have that? Why didn't this turn out the way that I, that I was expecting it to turn out? And the accuser lies in wait in the shadows to come into agreement with that fa- the falsehood that, that this is a scandalous thing, that God is not as good as he says that he is. You know, if, if God was really good, he wouldn't have let that happen to your sister. I mean, think about it. She has four kids. Like, who's going who's, who's gonna to carry the weight now? Man, I know. You, look at how foolish you look, man. You, you prayed and fasted, and look what, look what happened. Oh, man, that don't even work. Where's the great physician? Nah, that must be, nah, that healing stuff must be like, like some, some old, te- like, that's back, in, back when Jesus was actually here. He's not here anymore. Scandalous. Scandalous. I might even go as far to say that those of us who have professed Christ and believe the lies of the enemy also subscribe to, you know, the National Enquirer when we're in, in line checking out at the, at the store. I don't know about y'all. When I, I was an 80s kid, grew up in the 80s, it was all over the front checkout. They found Jesus's bones, like like just like like all kinds of crazy, and they plaster it and they sell it and people buy it, eat it up, because the truth hurts often before it sets us free. You see, the thing is that John finds himself offended because he's in prison. And the Jesus that he was expecting, he's like, Jesus is coming to set up the kingdom. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The Christ is coming to set up his kingdom here on earth. And so he's expecting that all these earthly kingdoms are going to be overthrown. But yet he sees what, what they're getting good news. What? Where's the judgment? Where's the fire? Because he finds himself stretched between the old covenant and the fulfilling of the new covenant in the gap. And it's not looking the way that he had expected it to. So are you the one or should we keep looking for another? But Jesus answered him and said, blessed is he who is not offended. And he's like, bro, don't allow yourself to rot away in there in that dungeon and lose your testimony. You've done great carrying the torch all the way up to this point. Don't allow yourself to be disqualified because you've become offended. Don't allow yourself to miss out on going into the promise over a scandal. Blessed is he who is not find it scandalous to, fi- to follow my precepts and my ordinances. Jesus is saying, blessed is he who does not become displeased or indignant. Yeah. Yeah. 
Blessed is he who does not stumble over or away from the path or fall away. He's saying, blessed is he who doesn't begin to distrust and desert the one whom he ought to trust and obey. Blessed is he who does not disapprove of him and be hindered from acknowledging his authority. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. We have to remember that before we receive a crown, that there is a cross that we first must carry. There is a cross to carry before we receive the crown. That crown of glory that God reserves for his beloved disciples, those that follow after him wholeheartedly and are not offended or scandalized by his ways. My sister Anovi was, uh, she was a beautician for over, over two decades. Um, I remember, remember her as a, as a little girl doing hair. She, used to, she practiced on my younger sisters. My younger sisters doing their hair, she'd like cut their, the, the hair off their, their Barbies and stuff and like, you know, braid extensions and the stuff in, their, in, in their, her hair and all that kind of stuff. But she took on this, this early, like just this interest in, in hair and beauty and cosmetology and, and to the point where she ended up finally, uh, I want to say she, by the time she graduated high school, she was like, all she needed was like probably a couple hours and she was able to get certified. Like she, she, she was able to get her certificate like right after she graduated high school. And she had been doing hair like ever since then. And she became an instructor. So she had uh, this, this, this lovely little nickname that she called her students. She called them her hair babies because she treated them like they were her kids. And she just had such a huge heart. And mind you, Though my sister was very talented and great, she also had, you know, her other issues. She had some other issues that, that like, you know, she was a little, she was a little hood. And um, very hard-headed. She took a lot, a lot after my dad. And um, she was, like, just a hustler and a go-getter. And she was like, by hook or crook, she going to make it happen. Straight up. That's, that's just how she was. But we were all raised... Under the same roof, we were all raised in church. We were all taught the precepts. And so one of the things that was great about this whole situation, you know, is the fact that I was able to see firsthand that, that, that when you do train up a child in the way that they should go, it says in the way that they should go, the way that they, it doesn't say the way that they will always go, but in the way that they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. And the thing is that though she tried in her younger days to go her own way and try and forge her own path and forge her own path, she did. She made a lot of mistakes along the way, but she was unapologetically herself. And basically, God showed himself faithful. He showed himself faithful despite all of the things that she was, she was doing that may have seemed that they were outside of, outside of his will. And so she becomes a mother of four. And back in June of 2022, she receives a diagnosis of stage four 
metastatic breast cancer. And at this point, she says, you know what? Mind you, this is like just three, three, four short months after we've buried our father. That she gets this diagnosis and she says, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to allow this diagnosis to have me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the Lord and do everything that I can to see that he gets glory out of this. One of the things that I thought was just completely awesome about her testimony, because one of the things that, that scripture tells us is uh, better is the ending of a thing than its beginning. And though this disease took a lot from her, it caused her to be completely and utterly spent. It even changed and transformed the way that she looked outwardly. There was something that was going on on the inside that only could come from God. It came from, I honestly believe, from the seeds that my mom took time to plant in us as children that are a part of that training up a child in the way that they should go. My sister who loved beauty so much, like just like it was it was just so crazy how God unfolded this thing, because here it is. I'm, I want to be offended. This is my baby sister. This is this is who who I've I've I pledged from the time that she was born that I would be there to protect her. And here it is that she's fighting this battle. Like I remember when I went to go see her in the hospital, and I told Atira, I said, Atira, man, it, I feel like like going to see her is feeling like when we was kids, and you know, you know, one of y'all get in trouble and you gotta go sit in the room, you on restriction, and you go and check in on them, but it's like, you all right, you good in there? And and but you can't do nothing for them. You can't do nothing for them. And so her being a beautician, man, like hair was everything to her. And this sickness was taking her hair. And so what she said, okay, being the, the, the brilliant, courageous, valiant warrior princess that she was, she said, I'm nipping this in the bud and have my aunt, who's a breast cancer survivor, come over and cut her hair off. And she says, I'm taking my, my power back. I'm taking my power back. I'm going to offer my hair as a sacrifice unto God because I'm not letting cancer take it. What I need you to understand, is we just read a passage about a woman who laid down at the feet of Jesus and washed his feet with her hair. I don't know if you understand this symbolically, but let me tell you what this means. The Bible tells us that the glory of a woman is her hair. My sister, even in her, her excruciating pain and her agonizing death march that she was going through, she seized the moment, removed her glory, and placed it at the feet of her Savior in an exchange for the glory that he has given her now that she has entered into his rest. Blessed is he who is not offended with me. 
We're talking about designer fragrance. This did the cancer didn't catch God off guard. It caught us off guard as a family, but it didn't catch him off guard. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He's the Alpha and Omega. Like I, we were sitting here asking why. And a lot of times that's what the offense is taken is because you get you 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 have a resounding why and you don't get an answer back. Or you may not get the answer that you want. It's one thing to pray and not get what it is that you prayed for. It's another thing to 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 after that ask why and not get an answer. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. The resounding why. And the only answer was, I don't know. And so to try and solidify in, in, in the roots of offense, dig deep is because of that why and that I don't know, you, 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 you tend to want to go ahead and question everything and focus on what you don't know rather than what you do know. And the thing about it is, is that the enemy used the same thing back in the garden. He got them to th think about what they didn't know and focus on that rather than what they did know. And what I want to encourage you to do today is to, 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 to grab your tools, whatever it is that you must, even if, it's the, even if it's the clawing of your own fingers, to reach down in the soil and to rip up the roots of offense by focusing on what you do know. Because I know that God is the Alpha and Omega. I know that he is the beginning and the end. I know that he will not withhold any good thing from those that love him. I know that he is in everything, causing everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I know that he is rich in mercy and grace and that his mercy endureth forever. I know that he's faithful to a thousand generations. That the God who is mighty to save is also mighty to destroy, but he refuses to be known by that. Rich in mercy, making sure that we don't get what we do deserve. Bountiful in grace, giving us that which we don't deserve. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. There are smells that can be offensive. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14, as I come to a close. Paul writes, but thank God he made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. 
To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume and who is adequate for such a task as this. You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. I came to give you a word this morning. I know that 2024 is about more, but I need you to understand that that more might be stretching, that more might might be more suffering, that more might be more trials, that might be more tribulation, but you serve a God who is faithful. I'm not here to try and sell you a bill of goods. I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to market the market salvation to you but I'm letting you know that if you suffer with him you will also be glorified with him my sister her life at the end of her life look fear was not her future sickness was not her story heartbreak was not her home death for surely wasn't the end Her life poured out like a sweet-smelling fragrance before her Savior is what she is remembered by. Offense is the accuser's invitation. Offense is the accuser's invitation. Offense is never given, it's always taken. And I'm here to let you know that you don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. You don't have to be good ground for offense. You don't have to be good good ground for the seeds of offense. But rather be good soil for the life-giving word of God. Think about the word offended. You are off ended. You went off the end. You went over the edge. You're knocked off. Like a knockoff fragrance. It'll smell like it for a little while. Anybody that know any, I, I was younger. I remember being a young dude and first getting into smell goods and, and, and seeing the prices of them, I was like, nah, I'll get the, the, the cheaper stuff. It'll smell like it for a while, but get out there and play basketball for a little bit. And it's going to turn on you real quick. <laughs> Offensive. <laughs> God created you to be a designer fragrance that gives him glory. Not an imposter fragrance. Not a perfume decor. No, no. He wants you to be a designer fragrance. That when your life is poured out, that it gives him glory. That it fills the room. And so what? Those that get offended by it are those that are perishing. And they do not belong to him. Blessed is he who is not offended in me. Can we stand to our feet this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Lord, you are good. Your mercy endures forever. We thank you. I'm not going to do the usual altar call of for, for salvation because I believe that, that God is big enough to take care of that. But what I'd want to do is open up the altars for an opportunity. If you want to come up here and you know that you've been offended, lay some off offenses that you've taken down at the altar, by all means, the altars are open. But you don't have to take offense. Blessed is he who is not offended in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters under the sound of my voice. Lord, that they would lay down their burdens at your feet. Father, that they would find salvation at the cross, not in an event, not in another person, not in, 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 in anything other than what you have ordained for salvation, which is the taking up of our cross and following you, Lord. Father, I thank you that as we go on about our week, that we would be reminded of your goodness, that we would be intentional about reminding ourselves of how good and gracious and merciful you are. Father, that we would not allow our losses to leave us jaded, but we allow our losses to be lessons of your glory, lessons of your faithfulness, lessons of, of you revealing your dedication to us. Father, for if it was not for you, we wouldn't make it. Lord, we thank you for your keeping power, your sustaining power, your delivering power, your saving power. Father, we ask that you go before us and bless this week. Let us, to walk, let us walk in triumph. Let us walk in victory, being led by your spirit. Lord, we love you. We thank you and we praise you. In the mighty, magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.